Ladies and gentlemen, this is the RTR podcast brought to you by Rough Trees and Rollback. Uh, we are here. This is the MJ version of the podcast. You got McLean and Jay on the mic. Uh, we're here to talk anti-rollback. We're here to talk how much we love Rough and Trees. Uh, it's going to be a great night. We're glad you're here to join us. Mikey is currently in Cabo soaking up the sunlight, and I can only imagine a couple of tequila juices. But Jay and I are here. We're on the mic. We've got the bourbon ready, and we're ready to talk some G. Jay, what's up, my man? Oh, just uh, just another Tuesday night, man. Let's get after it. Um, hey, we didn't even go to the what are you drinking, but um, you sparked my fancy here with all this Weller Special Reserve talk, so I... Uh, I went in and got one. So did you pour one? Cheers. I did pour one. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help I'm it. You were just so pumping jealous. me up with all the special reserve talk. And I'm like, I'm, I got to do it. Godzilla. It, it tastes beautiful. Stuff. You got that SR green label. I mm-hmm. love it. Ah, that's good stuff, man. Yeah, I'm on the uh, shout out to Redwood Empire. So my brother-in-law put me on this bourbon and I got it for Christmas. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I open the box, I'm looking at it. And this is California bourbon. And immediately I'm like, Oh, I, I don't know. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. I don't know. Um, and to be honest, Thanks, it's man. solid. It is solid. Uh, I told you about it a little bit before the show. I walked into my local liquor store and they um, they were already like I had to reach the very back to grab one of the last bottles. And I took it up to the register and the girl's like, man, I'm so glad we got this back in. It's been a minute. And I was immediately like, all right, I'm I'm in, too. I feel like I'm I'm on to something. So don't hesitate on a little cali bourbon and don't sleep don't sleep and I, I with the uh pga tour back in cali again this week i feel like it's just ripe for the pickings good for the moment we're here to have a good time you know speaking of we were just kind of chatting before we popped on and started the show but you know, I use uh, the distiller app, which I'm sure a lot of you have, have pulled up before, but it kind of ranks these bourbons and gives them like a grade. Um, and and the grade for this is pretty good. I mean, it's, you know, upper 80s um, and, you know, upper threes, you know, five being the best and 100 being the best and, and they're expert and then their user rating. So user rating is closer to, you know, just under four, um, you know, best of the five and then uh, 87 for the expert which is just under 90, which is great. Anything close to 90 and above is, you know, really good. So, um, but they, they give suggestions of, of bourbon uh, or whiskeys, I should say that are similar profiles uh, that you may also like. And two of which were listed. One was the Michter's US one barrel strength um, straight rye, the 2021 release, which is a four, four user rating and a 96 expert rating. Like this is one of the highest rated bourbons that you can, that you can drink. Yeah, uh, and then also the, the William LaRue Weller fall of 2021 release, which is a four, six user rating as well. So like, I don't know what this bourbon is that you have, but everyone seems to think it, it matches up with these, um, which Super one is a rye and one is a bourbon, which is a little unique, but I mean, they're both rated really high. So it can't, it's gotta be pretty good. So I'm, I'm, Please. I'm down to give it a shot. Yeah, go get you a bottle. I think you'll enjoy it. And I think you'll be surprised, as I certainly was. I mean, the first night we had it, my brother-in-law, my wife's uncle, and myself um, doing our family Christmas about a a week ago down in Atlanta. Um, We deleted that bottle in a couple of hours. Uh, It did not (laughs) stand a chance. It did not make it back to Tennessee. Um, But long story short, we had a great time. It's good sipping bourbon. 
Uh, I'm certainly enjoying it, and I hope the listeners will give it a chance when you see it on the shelf out there. Awesome. Well, let's, talk, let's talk a little G, Jay. I mean, as, as Mike would say. Let's talk some. Well, let's let's figure out where he got that from. You know, he got it from me. I mean, Mike doesn't have original thoughts like that. Um, the guy's anti-rollback, a traditionalist. He doesn't say talk some G. Uh, there's there's only one destination where that that derived from. So uh, I, I'll have to take credit for that. But before we go any further, let's not even get into the golf tournament yet. Let's just talk Nick Dunlap. This guy looks like he's here to stay. He looks like someone who is here to play professional golf. He's got the mindset. He's got the game. He's 20 years old and a sophomore in college, um, which we'll get to that in a minute because I can't wait to, to hear your thoughts on what he should do and what he might do. But on the backside of that, what are your thoughts of just Nick Dunlap as a player? Not even getting into the just the Amex of it. What are your thoughts of what you've seen from him as a player? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, just watching him play, um, I'll start with this. Like just watching him swing the golf club, he swings it great, which most of these kids do. But the one cool thing uh, about him, as especially being a, a sophomore and a 20, I guess he's 19 or 20 years old, which is just crazy. Old. 20 years old. Um, he swings, he swings the club with a, uh, a sense of purpose and control. You see a lot of these young guys, and we've talked about some of these other young players that have maybe even had more success than him prior to this point, but they, they hit it so far. And it's so funny. You go through that progression as a, as a high school kid, you know, you're always trying to gain distance and finally your body catches up with your, your, your brain and what you think you can do. And you start swinging for the fences and you, you, you love hitting 330, 40, 50 yard drives. And you're like, that's great. Um, but then you start playing real golf courses where you have to hit the ball and play. And all of a sudden, you know, you hit a 330 or 40 yard drive and you miss it 30 yards, right. And you hit it out of bounds or you hit it, you know, in the trees. I, I mean, granted, I know this golf course is open, but I I still felt like he had a sense of purpose with, with each swing. And he was really in control of his game. Like he had, um, everything kind of dialed in. And this is just uh, an observation watching him swing. Uh, I don't, I didn't feel like he played outside of his capabilities. I think he was just right in the sweet spot. Obviously, he ended up winning, but I never felt that he was just like in, not in control. Um, and that yeah. was the part that was really impressive about his game. I was a little cautious when I saw the left hand low, you know, but again, I mean, I, I think. And now the way that putting is over the last 20, 25 years, it's not uncommon to see a young player just like pick the club up that way because they saw somebody doing it on TV and they just that's the way they learn how to putt. So it's it's not like where we as kids, we grew up and like this is the way you hold it. You hold it with a conventional grip. And if you switch, that means you are struggling. Um, and I don't know if that's the that's not necessarily the case anymore. Like he could have easily. I mean, that's he's probably learned how to play 12 years ago. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, and that's nuts. You know, I mean, that was in the, you know, the, you know, the early teens, you know, 2010, 2011, he was uh, first that, probably playing yeah. golf. And, yeah. and by that time, I mean, held, there were buddy, belly putters, uh, you know, Arm left hand low. I mean, it was broomstick, broomstick, you name it. So like for him to go left hand low and I, you know, I will say that the, the, the putting stroke looks very good. Like, I think it looks awesome. It's super simple. Uh, very compact. 
Um, when I say compact, I don't mean short and and poppy. I just mean he his stroke reminds me of Cam Smith's stroke, but with left hand low. It's just kind of one two, one two, one two, back and forth. And he holds his finish and he hits the ball cleanly. I don't know. I, I was I was really impressed all the way through. Um, you know, without going deep into you know the actual tournament and the setting and and what he did in each specific shot overall. My view is that like this this guy's here, like he's a this guy's arrived. He's here to stay, and he's he's probably going to win win again, and probably in the near future. Yeah, I mean, for what we've seen from guys that win as amateurs, they normally go on to a pretty solid career on the PGA Tour. Um, last one to do it was Phil Mickelson. We all we obviously are all aware of what he was able to accomplish during his professional time on the PGA Tour, and. It, this guy has all the uh, characteristics of someone who has the ability to do that. The thing that I was most not necessarily surprised with, but that I recognized the most was his maturity. He never seemed to get rattled. He seemed very in touch with what happened. He didn't ride the ups. He didn't ride the downs, um, which is very, very tough to do when you're 20 years old, because you and I both played the game um, at a, you you higher than I did, but we both played the game at a certain level at that age. And your emotions play very much into your ability to be successful. He didn't seem to get rattled from hitting a bad shot, hitting it in the water. Even on 18, and I'm not trying to get to the golf tournament yet, but I think it's important to mention. On 18, he thought he had a two-shot lead. He didn't. He hit the ball right. He hit the ball right again, which was somewhat on purpose, but still it's probably a little farther right than he wanted to hit it. Sure. Still, he still walked up there before he hit the chip shot. He laughed with his caddy. When I saw him able to show that little bit of emotion, it, it let me know that at he's that point, sitting there at that point, he's not sitting there feeling like I am overly stressed. I'm super nervous. It was one of those things where he was just felt like he was in the moment. He's able to enjoy the moment, take it in, and then go execute. And even early on in the round, when he in the in the final round, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but in the final round early, he got down. And it's very characteristic of a lot of first time winners. PGA tour player, professional, experienced player, won a ton of college events, won a ton of mini tour events, won some corn fairy events. But the first time they get in this position on the PGA tour and they see that little bit of um I don't want to say defeat, but all of a sudden you hit a couple bad shots and someone else takes the lead from you. Not say not, maybe normally is not the best way to say it, but it is important to look at and say that this person all of a sudden starts to take a backseat a little bit. Uh, it looks like we have an out of country guest coming on here. I we have a guest caller here. I couldn't deny, caller. I can't deny anyone's, you know, he can just chime in when he wants here. Yeah. Um, hey, this is, uh, hey, this well, is Miguel from in. Cabo, first time, long time caller. Yeah, welcome in. You're on the uh, MJ podcast, RTR, Rollback Rough and Trees, baby. What you got? <laughs> are, you guys fucking, are you guys fucking up the show when I'm not there? Dad's away, so the kids will play. <laughs> Shouldn't you be like 92 margaritas deep right now? Well, I'm at a business meeting. Uh, I've had enough RPM talk for tonight. So I was like, I'm going to step away here. I got to uh, make a phone call. <laughs> and he does it from his wife's phone. That's great. Well, I can't do it from my phone because Jay under my name. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. We're just happy to I see you here, my wife's buddy. Phone. 
We're just happy to we're, see what you. Are we, what are we discussing? We're, all right, so just, we haven't got into the Amex yet, but we are talking about Nick Dunlap and what you think of him as just a pure player and skill set. Uh, I mean, it's hard not to like what you see. Um, the guy's pretty damn impressive, obviously, to win a, a PJ Tour event, but uh, have you seen his match play record? Somebody put that up. And all I've, the match plays he's played, Junior Ams, US Ams, Walker Cups, the guy's lost like three times in matches. So there's definitely a competitive fire, uh, a will to win with a guy that I love. When I saw that record, it was almost, I almost enjoyed that more than him winning a stroke play event. Well, that's, I mean, that's you great. You bring up a good point. He's the only other player than Tiger to win the Junior Am and the US Am. Correct. Which is obviously very good company. I do I do get a little anxious with his golf swing. He's got a lot of side bend in that golf swing, which makes me nervous for his back in 10 years. You know, you know what is you know, we just we were kind of talking about that. I, I actually really liked, and I wanted to hear your comments on too, Mike, since you're here. Um, yeah, he does have a little bit of side bend, but it's not, it's not violent. Like I, I think that he, he definitely swings within himself, in my opinion. Like I never saw him over swinging, trying to hit, you know, gain that extra 10 yards with really any club for the most part. I mean, everyone has their moments, but for the most part, I, I he would really played within himself. Um, you know, obviously he ended up winning, but he, it, the the swing look I thought it looked great you know from all the way through and I just commented on his putting stroke I really liked the putting stroke and you know how I am about you know people with you know you know unconventional putting grips and he has a left hand low but it's it's as natural and as and as concise of a putting stroke for somebody who doesn't have a conventional grip I was I was pretty impressed with him yeah you're right I mean his full swing it's not as violent as a like a, a Waco Neiman or uh Mito Pereira or those guys with with the side bend and yeah I think he has he has more in his tank if he wanted to let it loose I think he could easily be up there in in club head speed ball speed on the PJ tour if he wanted to but he might hold back a hair and I do love his putting stroke it's I think it's money it looks like it is square for a long time for a long time would you guys agree especially from the finishing perspective that it's a little bit Dustin Johnson-esque yeah, it does have a little bit of that finish. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. It's I a little flatter. It's a little flatter of a finish, which I, I like. But, you know, he kind of has that Dustin Johnson. Um, it's a little flat, but I'm hitting a fade. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's a good move. And, you know, getting go ahead and move, moving on a little bit. We've all talked about how much we like the guy's game. He seems like someone who we're going to see a lot more from. And ultimately, um, with what he's done historically with his game, guys that have done what he's done in terms of winning the Junior Am, winning the US Am, winning on tour as an amateur, we normally, if history repeats itself, we look like we found a player that's going to have a long career on the PGA Tour. Um, moving beyond that, moving into the Amex, Let's talk a little bit about what he did on Sunday. You know, I mean, I think one of the big things that I took away from it is that he got down early. And I've, I touched on this briefly right before we got our out-of-country caller. Um, <laughs> he ultimately, he came back. Now, at the end, there's a little bit of an argument to say that Sam Burns a little bit gave it to him. But I would say with what he did on 18, he earned it. You know, he had to get up and down. Um, but the fact of the matter is that I think he hit it in the water on 
seven, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he made double, double. on seven. Made double on seven. And then was able to come back and win the golf tournament. We've seen a lot of players over the year in the first event that they've been in contention that they've been leading. And this comes from, as I already mentioned, corn Ferry winners, mini tour winners, getting that position on the PGA tour. And they ultimately fold. He did not do that. He did not make another bogey the remainder of the round. He made two very timely birdies at 14 and 16. And I think he won that golf tournament. And I got to be honest, I, I think he's someone who's, Mental game is very sharp at 20 years old, and it's incredible to see what that can mature into. But also looking at the athletic ability and the fact that he's able to stay in the moment and execute was incredibly impressive. What do you guys take? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, no, I, I, agree. Thought, I thought it was great. I'll go first. I'm going to run here in a minute. But, um, you know, those two swings on 18 were nervy, but to me, they were more just don't fucking hit calculated. It swings. Yeah. Uh, knowing that he, he can stay in it and get up and down, and he is a good putter. So I think that's where those kind of swings came from, more so than nerves. But just the 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 balls on the kid to be paired in that final group, you know, with two top Americans and, and not shy away from it, uh, it says a lot. Yeah, no, I, no, I, 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 I couldn't agree more. I, I just... The only caveat to this had had we had he not had the the history, like you said, of winning the Junior Am and and the USAM, if it were just another guy, one, I don't think he would have won. Um, obviously, this guy is, is tested in, in match play in tough situations. If you can win, you know, like you said, multiple match play events at at the USGA level, you can handle any situation because every single hole in a match play format, especially a USGA event is make or break. It's like the last hole of every tournament you're trying to win stroke play event. So the fact that he can handle that, um, you know, speaks volumes to what type of player he is, but there is something to be said for playing in this event as a sophomore in college. There's, there's, you know, it's like, Hey, if I don't win this, I'm just going to go back to college and keep doing what I'm doing, keep getting better. It's not my time, so to speak, right? There's there's less pressure to like, you have to do this now. Now, if this were a 35-year-old who hadn't won yet on the PGA Tour, the pressure is enormous, you know? But for a young kid, you know, his – and I'm not speaking for him, um, but – I do know as a young kid in college, like you, you, you feel like you have so much time to like, if you, if it doesn't work out, I'll make up for it in the next year. Cause I'm still learning, which takes some of that pressure off and allows you to just be yourself, which obviously worked out. And I, I think there, you know, there's a lot of things wrapped into that statement. You know, you can think that way, um, but then, you know, you have to eventually some, at some point perform and he was able to kind of, you know, crash those all together and to, to kind of give himself that, that point of view where he can just relax and say, Hey, there's no pressure here. If I do it, I do it. If I don't, I don't, but then to actually go and get it done, you know, it, it, it's kudos to him. But I do think there is a little bit of that uh, portion where he just says, you know what? Hey, whatever, I'm going to get it done. <laughs> and now we've got video. We've got video. I got, for- I got the video working. You got I'm, the, I'm, you got well, the it's, it's too dark here. I'd, I'd, I'd show, I'd show McLean the nice palm trees and mountains and, sunset maybe i'll catch you guys later tomorrow yeah i i I told you how i felt about that earlier thank you (laughs) all right so real real fast i want to know your take does he turn pro immediately he has to right he should 
I, I, you got to, my feeling is you have to strike when the iron's hot. The guy's obviously playing some incredible golf right now, and he just got a golden ticket. You have to go ahead and turn pro. You can always go back to school. You can always go back to school. Right now is the time you got your exemptions. You didn't necessarily lose anything from winning this. It'd be one thing if you won a tournament and it said, all right, you no longer get your access to the three majors. He had to sweat. He had to swap the British for the PGA, which I get the British is a little bit of a more iconic event, but on the backside of that, the fact that you still got into the PGA, you have a chance to play three out of the four majors. You can win money at those majors. If you play well, um, and there's a good chance well the there's a good chance he plays well enough to to earn his spot into the British. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a chance that he could upgrade and get all four. It's an absolute no brainer, absolute no brainer. Unless he's got a family member's last dying wish that was that you graduated college in four years. That's it. If if there's nothing yeah. like that, it would be an absolute you know bonehead move if he just didn't take this. He's gonna. It's it's a guaranteed. Three to four million dollars in the next two years just by turning pro. He's going to get his stipend from oh. the PJ Tour. He's going to get his his marketing dollars and and he's playing good. He's going to win he money. Gets, yeah, I think he gets a pretty yeah, substantial money, sponsor contract right now. Right away, the jump. I think he gets a pretty substantial one right away. That's probably worth about three million dollars. Jay, I, I think without without winning a dime, he gets without a winning a dime. He's already bringing in some from TaylorMade and. Um, Adidas, you know, NIL money. So that, that contract probably just doubled though. Absolutely. I, I would think those guys are licking their chops to go ahead and say, Nick, let's go ahead and do this. We want to, we want to cement this. Um, more, they would restructure it now and say, Hey, we're willing to offer you. I know this is what your NIL contract is, but we're going to, we're going to restructure this. When you turn pro, this is what we're going to give you. Get him, get on it now while he's hot and, and lock it in for three to five years. And, and, and I think it's a no-brainer for him to turn pro. I absolutely no agree. I absolutely agree. So, Mike, Mike, you have any more takes from down there in Salsa Land? Look, <laughs> technical difficulties. Nope, oh, I'm back. Sorry. Yeah, Mexican right. Wi-Fi. <laughs> All right, you have any more takes from down there in Salsa Land? Play a little golf today. Saw some whales last night on a sunset cruise. I mean, it's it's all good here. So I want to know who did the agenda. Is there, is there even an agenda? Jay did the agenda. I'm doing the intro. We're honestly we're smoking this thing. If I'm being honest, you kind of you kind of screwed it up a little bit. Like we had a really good rhythm going, and you jump in from out of the country, and we were getting ready to talk anti. You might want to stick around. We are going to talk anti rollback here shortly. Um, we're going to talk about how much we love trees and rough. Um, you know, if you want to stick around, we'd we'd love to hear your takes. Live golf in there too. We'd just be killing it. Well, we miss you, buddy. This is where I need to sign off. Yeah, we miss you, boys. Hope you enjoy it down there. You got it. Be good. Have fun. Cheers. Have a good show. See ya. All right, later, guys. I knew. I knew it. Uh, Mikey, when you listen to this, uh, you, you, we were talking about earlier, there's no way that Mike doesn't call in. I knew it. I knew he'd call in just to check Absolutely. in, Absolutely. just to check in. You know, you always got big brother over your shoulder. You never know. <laughs> or my, little brother. <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, exactly. 
My goodness. Here we are. Well, hopefully Mike has a good time down there. Obviously him and Lindy are um, deserving of a little vacation. And I hope yes, they, they are. I hope they absolutely enjoy themselves down there. On Definitely the Lindy. Definitely, Definitely Lindy. Lindy. Yeah. We like, I Lindy mean, if Mike wants to, if Mike wants to ride on the coattails of his super successful wife, then that's fine. Um, I, but I'm trying to do the same thing. I ain't gonna lie. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad. Aren't at we that. all? Aren't we all? But I will say, you know, on the backside of that, coming off of that, I just want to say, you know, Patriots suck. Celtics suck. Uh, the Red Sox <laughs> suck. Uh, Mikey, I love you. I know you're gonna you're gonna have to um, edit this, and that was that was just a little little tidbit from me to you, buddy. So, anyways. Let's get back to the MXJ. Let's talk a little bit about what Nick Dunlap did in the final round. I know we touched on it briefly with Mike, but, you know, like I said, I am incredibly pleased by how well his mental game held up, what he was able to do from from getting put back into second, third place. I think he might have even gotten down to fourth place at one time. But he was able to then get past that with some of the top players in the world. The guys playing with Justin Thomas – and Sam Burns, two of the absolute top players in the world. Um, and he he took it in stride. Yeah, you like that. I know you did. We're gonna get into JT in a minute. Don't worry. I've got I've got some I've got some uh some literature here for you on that. But on the backside of that, the fact that he did that in that group, um, I gotta feel like well, well, I will say this on the first tee. I didn't see the love I thought I would see from JT and um and Dunlap being that they're both Alabama players, I would have thought there was more love had than what there was. It seemed like late in the round, JT tried to take him under his wing a little bit and be like, you know, Hey, roll tide, bro. Let's, let's, let's get this rolling. But it did seem like on the first tee when they made their introduction, um, it wasn't, you know, Hey, you're my brother. I've been coaching you up for a while. Um, it, it was like, Hey, how you doing? Nick Dunlap, Justin Thomas, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. The pleasantries I saw exchanged on 18, and especially with what JT said coming up to him on 18, seemed like JT was trying to take him under his wing a little bit and trying to be like, hey, you know, when we we talked about this before the podcast, when we talked about the spectator hit, you know, it seemed like JT was there for him, but it didn't seem like JT was necessarily like he had a great relationship with him before this. And it may just be because Nick's a sophomore and a younger player at this point, and JT hadn't spent enough time around the team. But what were your thoughts on that relationship, how he handled himself, playing with two great players? Well, there's a couple couple things to unpack. I think Nick uh is he's on his way to being, you know, a, a top tier player. Uh, you know, when I when I've I've commented on Justin Thomas, and I don't feel that he's a top tier player. When I say I'm talking top echelon player. But I think Nick Dunlap, the way he handled that whole process, the whole inner, the whole uh, exchange with Justin Thomas, uh, I, you know, I I think Justin Thomas is a little kind of a you know, sometimes he comes across as a prick, and I just I don't you know that's the that's the way that I took it. Like he he comes from this school of playing with Tiger, and he wants to act like Tiger, but I'm like, dude, you're not Tiger, and Tiger was a prick. Let's be honest. He was a prick, but he was a prick that was way better than everybody else. And Justin, you're a great player. You are a phenomenal player. You're a great American player. 
but you're not Tiger Woods. So I, I just, when he does it, it comes across the wrong way, to my opinion. It comes across as snarky and snoo- and and rude, and it's like you've got like an agenda. So you took that that the comments that he said to Nick on the last hole, and we can re- you can re- replay those, but. You know, Nick on the last hole hit his drive out to the right, uh, and then his second shot into the green, he hit it right, and it looked like it may have hit some spectators and bounced down. And Justin's comment was, is that is that your first spectator hit? And then Nick replies, did I smoke someone? And then I think they, they had an inter, uh, interchange there where he was like, I think I hit, you know, Nick says, I think I hit everybody on every hole at the U.S. Open or something along those lines. So to me, if I'm walking up the fairway, especially given the fact that Justin was so kind of standoffish in the beginning of the round, if you're coming to me kind of making these comments, trying to be funny, I'm trying to win a golf tournament, dude. Get out of my face. That's what I would that's what I would have done. Nick is better than me and a better a, a much better player and and he can handle stress better because yes. I would have been like just I would have been like Justin, get out of my face, dude. Get out of here. You 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 weren't you weren't you don't want to be buddies buddies with me on the first tee and now you want to be buddy buddies with me on the 18th green. Like get out of here. But he handled it. You said it right. He handled it like a pro and I think he just sloughed it off and was like you know, I'm playing with Justin Thomas. Obviously, he's one of the best, you know, Crimson Tide golfers of all time. Let me just roll with it. Uh, I didn't great. take it. I didn't take it. That, if it were me to listen to that comments, I, I I wouldn't have liked it. But we all, all right. know all how right. I feel about how, Justin right. Thomas and his his kind of dorkiness when think, it comes to golf. I, I I love you, but I'm going to agree to disagree because I'm going to tell you right now. Fair, Justin Thomas, Hall of Fame career one of the best players out there. And he's he's currently putting himself back into that spotlight, which I think is fantastic. Love watching the guy play golf. One of my favorite players to watch. On the backside of that, let's let's remove all that from the situation. I viewed this differently. I think that there could be some relationship that exists. I don't think they were totally buddy-buddy. But I think when it came down to 18 fairway, Justin Thomas was trying to prepare him for what he was going to walk into and trying to help him out a little bit because Justin Thomas knew he wasn't winning that golf tournament. And the only person Justin Thomas wanted to win that golf tournament at that point was Dunlap. So I think Justin Thomas asking that question was more of saying, let me prepare you before you walk up there in case something bad has happened. So Justin Thomas says, is that your first spectator hit? Dunlap comes back and said, did I smoke someone? Justin Thomas says uh, something I can only, I, I I don't know how he took it, but he said the percentages, which I, my guess is that when you hit it into the crowd, odds are you hit somebody. You hit somebody. Dunlap handles this as an absolute pro and doesn't let A it pro. He says, I think I smoked everyone last year at the Open. And on, I think I smoked someone on almost every hole last year at the Open um, without being a perfect direct quote. So Dunlap was already, was like, dude, I've hit guys that that's happened before. That's not something that I'm, this is not my first time. When I think JT's thought point or thought process at that point was, hey, I don't want you to walk up there and be shocked. I don't want you to walk up there and allow this to affect the way that you are able to hole out. That's, that's fair. It depends on, again, like you said, agree to disagree. It depends on your viewpoint of, of Justin Thomas and, 
in my opinion, has he ever done that or shown that type of camaraderie with any other player? And I don't think he has. I have never seen it. I mean, he just made a comment the day before uh, when he played great. Uh, he played a great round of golf and and Nick shot 61. And he said, I didn't realize I'd be chasing a freaking college kid. Um, I don't know. It may be that for Justin, that's a term of endearment. But I came across as kind of a an uppity, snooty comment. It, it, uh, it that's just the way that I received it. It did not yeah, that, it doesn't look good. But so if you make those it. if you make those comments the day before and you're kind of cold and standoffish on the tee, and then all of a sudden you want to be buddy, buddy, let me prepare you for the next steps on the 18th green when I need to get up and down to win a golf tournament. They don't I don't they didn't come across well to me, given all of the the history prior to that and who Justin Thomas is when it comes to his relationship with the players on the golf course. Uh it 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 seemed to be right along the lines of what he's done before. Now, could he have done that with with some with with good intent? Uh, maybe, but given I, the way that he's handled other situations, it, probably not. It was probably kind of like, ah, well, I'm losing to you. Fuck you. You know. All right. Well, well, I I see it. I see it differently, and I I get I get where you're coming from. On the back side of that, I also think that JT was there to win on Sunday. He's also he also has a lot to get back. His biggest goal was winning that golf tournament without question. So okay. maybe it wasn't necessarily standoffish on the tee. Maybe it was being a competitor on the tee and showing them, hey, young buck, you're stepping into the gauntlet right now. And I want to let you know that. Sure. I respect where you came from, but at the same time, I'm not here to hold your ass through these, this 18 holes and get you through to the win. I'm here to try and win this golf tournament. Absolutely. I would expect nothing else. Absolutely. We know don't JT do it. Don't do it on the 18th. Don't try to do it on the 18th tee when the guy's trying to get him down and win. At that because point, just get out of the way. You and I differ on that. You and I differ on that, and that's fine. I think yeah. it was it, he was trying to prepare him to walk up there and still be able to weather the storm and get up and down because ultimately when it, when it got done, once he won the golf tournament, JT was right there to give him the hug, all the congratulatory, the tournament was over at that point And he turned back into a human. He wasn't a competitor at that point. He was back into a human and he was like, dude, I'm so happy to see you have done this. Gave him a big hug, a big embrace on the green. Um, he knows that this, you know, benefits his alma mater. And I think, I think it was something where JT was, really kind of a, a class act in that moment. I mean, that's, that's how I see it because I know we see this differently, but I, 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 yeah. I, no, I definitely don't that. see it the way that you he, see it at all, but was, I, that's, that's fair. fair. I, I think, I think he didn't expect, he did not expect Nick Dunlap to respond that way. I think JT was surprised by that. I think JT in that moment was like, Hey dude, was that your first spectator hit? All right. You got to put that beside yourself. Nick Dunlap told him, nah, I hit a spectator on every hole in the open. And JJ yeah. was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you do you then, you know, well, he didn't need to coach him up any further maybe. than that. He, JT. Yeah. I mean, and, and maybe that was his, maybe that was his intent, but like I said, given his history of, of how he interacts with people, he's kind of a smart ass. And if I'm walking up the fairway and again, maybe they did have a relationship that we couldn't see there. But if, if I'm walking up with somebody that I've, didn't have a strong relationship with and they say that to me my first look is like are you are you talking to me dude are you talking to me right now i'm focused on getting this ball up and down and you're giving me some snooty little you know rinky dink comment like get out of my way 
get out of my way. That's what I would have. That's, but again, I don't, I'm not buddies with Justin Thomas. Um, so I wouldn't, it would, I don't know how that interaction would have been. Maybe they have a, a, a relationship together, but the way it came across viewing it was that like, dude, why are you in the middle of this? Get out of the way. Like, why are you all of a sudden trying to coach this guy on the 18th hole? I just, there's, I don't know. In my opinion, you don't see Tiger Woods walking with a guy that's getting ready to beat him and he's trying to coach them on how to win his first tournament. Like, he's Tiger not Tiger historically that. didn't say anything to anybody. Anybody. Um, Nobody. Of course. Like, but and, and look, I don't know. I that's just, that. again, and if that. he did have, if he did have, you know, some, you know, well intent there for the guy, then great. You know, the good for Justin for turning over a new leaf and, and trying to do the right thing. But uh, like I said, given his history, that it was out of character for him to say something like that and be genuine because normally he's trying to be funny and trying to be a smart ass. So, uh, that's the way that it came across to me. Um, but it obviously worked out for, for Nick and whatever he said would, didn't bother him. And he was able to get the ball up and down and, and make the putt and, and get the win. But, um, well, that's yeah, I mean, I that's, 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 again, that's just, that's just my opinion on, on him. That's okay. I, I, that's okay. Yeah. I, I just not, not a huge fan of, of the, that stuff. Uh, I love, I do love his tenacity, like I've said, and, and, and certain in certain match play events, like the the thing that irritates irritates players as a playing competitor of Justin is great as a as a playing partner in like a Ryder Cup or a Presidents Cup or something like that. I mean, that's sure. the stuff that you want to play with a guy like that because he he's good at you know being kind of a jackass and getting other people's skin. So, well, we view yeah. we view that that situation different. And that's fine, and I, yeah. I have all respect for your point of view on it. Um, I certainly see it a little bit different. I, I I saw it as a he was trying to prepare him for what he was going to walk up on in case he walked up on a guy that had gotten drilled in the head and he's laying there on the ground and Nick Dunlap's all of a sudden like, oh my God, what 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 do we do? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, he got it done. Now I will say this. Let me ask you this question. Was that chip on 18 hit solid? No, he he bladed it for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. It was not crisp. He he did. I will say he did have a little bit of a downhill lie. Sure. Um, so it's very easy to catch it a little a little skinny. But it he didn't. It wasn't obviously too skinny. It was just enough to where he had what it he wasn't had bad. Footer. It wasn't bad. It was just it wasn't that it didn't check. You could hear it. Yeah, it just he he got a little ground early. He hit big ball for the little ball, and he got a little <laughs> ground early. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, he got up and down. I mean, the best part about it is that he made that putt, which was absolutely fantastic. The fact that he got up there and drilled that, I mean, it, it that would have gone in a thimble. It didn't lip in. It went dead, <laughs> dead center. center. Um, yeah. The guy's putting stroke is fantastic. And I do agree with what you said earlier. You know, when you have guys that are a little bit younger, um, they grew up putting differently. They didn't start off only putting left hand or right hand low and say that I need to make a change because I'm not putting bad. He might have been putting that way, and I don't know this, but he could have been putting left hand low for the past 10 years, and we don't, we just don't know it. There's a good chance, I mean, in all honesty, I mean, when did Jordan Spieth come on the scene? 2013? Uh, probably before that. I mean, he won. I mean, well, when he we got on tour. 19-year-old? He was the last person to win at that age. So 2012, 2013, I mean, let's go back 12 years. I mean, Nick Dunlap was eight or nine years old 
So he could have seen Jordan Spieth putt left-hand low and said, hey, I want to do that, and then just started right. putting that way. So you you're know? right. Jordan Spieth won 2013, excuse me, uh, at 19 years old. The youngest awesome. PGA Tour winner since 1931. So he could have been putting that way for a very, excuse me, and the hiccups all of a sudden. Yeah. He could have been winning, I mean, winning or putting that way since he saw Jordan speak to it in 2019. Which it wouldn't surprise me. Been, God, how old would he have been then? Uh, 10, 11? Yeah, yeah, well, not not even, you know. I mean, that's nine years ago. He's 20, yeah. So, not, yeah, 10 or 11. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's... A very good chance that he he grew up watching somebody like Jordan Spieth, you know, putt, who was obviously at that time Jordan Spieth was the best putter on the planet. He made everything, <laughs> everything with left hand load, everything. So, you know, I, I think the you know that conventional point of view is changed a little bit. You know, I think if you see an older guy who switched their their putting, you know, grip or setup, it's usually because they probably you know had some issues in the past. But now, like you said. You know, it, it's not uncommon for a player to like, you know, grab a grab a putter and do like a, you know, arm lock or uh, left hand low or something strange or even like a, you know, a quasi, you know, a belly putter or or, you know, long putter and, and hover it, yeah. Yeah. which, you know, I don't know. There's some guys there that still we we wonder if they're really anchoring or not. But um, yeah, no, I don't disagree. <laughs> you're don't only know. anchoring it. You're only anchoring it if you're. If you're doing it on purpose, it's basically the way the rule, the way the rule reads, like you can't purposefully anchor the putter. So if it happens to kind of hit and graze and stay there, you didn't do it on purpose. So it's it's good. Yeah. All right. So moving on from Nick Dunlap, amazing winner, such a great story in the game of golf. Looks like a guy that we're going to see stick around for an extremely long time. Um, Let's talk about Sam Burns real quick. The guy yeah. had the guy had the tournament. I'm not going to say one, but he had it firmly in his grasp. He's five under through 14, double bogey 17 and 18. Uh, Nick Dunlap hits a good shot in there on 17, and Burns just hits it out to the right, into the rocks, and into the water. You know what? What? What are your thoughts of not necessarily to say why that happened, but do you think the pressure kicked in? Do you think the fact that it was an amateur kicked in? Do you think that something um, outside of his normal game played I, a big think, part in that? And then obviously I mean, on 18, we'll get to 18 in a second. Let's just talk about yeah. 17. Yeah, who knows what what's kind of going on and and you know, his head. We don't know if he had any thoughts or the pressure got to him. Obviously, it was it, you know, if it had been a practice round, the chances of him hitting the ball in the water you know, on, on 17 or, you know, pretty slim, or is it, was it 16 that he had, what was the, which was it 16 or 17 he hit in the water the first 17 time? 17 he hit in the water, uh, which is yeah. the hard three and then 18 yeah. he did again, but yeah. So was, uh, yeah, the shot, the shot on 17, I, I will say that like, I mean, I was sitting here with a buddy of mine, you know, Luke, Luke Myers, who's a, a, a listener of the pod. Love um, and uh, we were we were sitting there talking. I was like, "This, this is like three holes prior." I was like, "I was like, he's not a great iron player. That's that's his weakness. He just struggles with his iron game. Like if he can find a way to get a little bit more consistent with the way he plays, um, you know, those mid mid range iron shots. He's a pretty good putter. He drives it long. 
he just struggles, you know, and then like two holes later, he freaking blows the ball right in the water with like a, you know, mid to low iron on the 17th hole. And I'm like, ah, oh. I was like, I didn't really want to talk that into existence, you know, cause I feel like he's a great player, but it, it, you know, the weaknesses are there. And if you put a little bit of pressure on somebody, their weaknesses are magnified, you know, and it's just like, just like they always say under, you know, really tough uh, conditions, you add a lot of wind or you firm the greens up. Like these are, this is when, the, you know, guys who struggle with their iron games, that's when those weaknesses are exacerbated. Like you can really see how bad they are. And I, again, when I say bad, I'm, I'm talking relative to he's, he's 10 times better than, than us, you know, with his, with his irons. Like if we played golf with them or any of our listeners played golf with Sam Burns, you would, say he's the best iron player you've ever played with. So I'm I'm saying this relative sure, to sure. relative to who he's playing with, you know, in the situation. But he 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 doesn't rank very high in strokes gain, you know, uh into the green, approach to the green. He's 86th. Um, you know, this is I guess this is just for the stats for this year. Um but strokes gain total, he's 81st, which means he pretty much is pretty equal. He doesn't He's losing one uh point three one three five strokes, so he's pretty pretty even. Uh, off the tee, he's gaining a half a or a, I guess a fifth of a stroke. Um, approach to the green, he's he's losing some some strokes there. I mean, he's he's hurting himself. And then putting, he's obviously a, a decent putter. He's gaining point two eight six strokes per round. So I know these these stats seem seem kind of silly because you're talking in percentages, but if you add them up over the course of a of a tournament, they add up. But he, he he really struggles with this, you know, approach shots into the green. Um, and I, it, he he showcased it, you know, and that's kind of a bummer. Um, Do you for, feel like at all that he tried to close the door on seventeen, knowing he had the lead, and he was and he saw where Dunlap hit it, and he goes, "I'm going to stuff it on this kid and let him know where he is," and he's like, "I'm going to go after it," and he just he just overcooked it a hair. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, who knows what his game plan was on those holes. If he was playing it the right way, that's not a hole that you try to stuff it on, in my opinion. Like a par three. I disagree with that. It's almost like an island green. Yeah, no, I I agree. Ego gets involved in certain situations, especially when you got a college kid who's an amateur up there is like, fuck, what? I'm going to show this kid what the PGA Tour is like. Yeah, welcome to the PGA Tour, off. Nick Dunlap. Welcome, yeah, welcome to the tour, kid. I'm going to show you what this is like. I mean, Sam Burns <laughs> has a great, great track record on the PGA Tour. Speaking of, I know this is totally off topic, but I remember playing, uh, I got called up to varsity basketball when I was a freshman, and we had a great, a great team. Where That team went on to go to the state semifinals in basketball, and I got called up from JV my freshman year and played in the playoffs. And I remember the first game of the playoffs, we were killing the, our neighboring team, Goochland County, and I was, you know, I got to play the second whole second half as a freshman point guard, and I remember going up for a basket and this senior who was uh, kind of a nobody. This is where Justin Verlander went to high school. Now, at that point, Justin was a couple years behind me. He wasn't playing varsity at that time. But this is another another uh, kid that was a senior, but he was kind of a nobody. But he fouled me and, like, fouled me hard. I went to the ground. I was getting free throws. And we were up by, like, 30. And he was like, welcome to varsity, Jay. And I was like, okay, thanks, man. I was like, it's like we're winning by 30. I was like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the comment. But anyway, sorry. I, 
kind of digress here, but I, that made that always brings me back whenever somebody says "Welcome to the big leagues" or "Welcome to this tour" or "Welcome to the league." It's like that makes me think of that. And it's like Absolutely. it's such a it's such a weird condescending thing to say, and it's a weird thing to think because in the end of the day, everyone's got to start somewhere. So for you to try to dictate that person's like you know, welcoming into this new tour. It's like, I've been here for four, three years. I'm a three or four time PGA tour winner. Like, let me show you who I am. Um, it's like, dude, just do your thing. Like you're going to show them. He already knows what this is all about. Like he's already, this is the 17th hole. Like you just do your thing. And I, I'm, I agree with what you're saying. Like he could have been thinking that. And my point is, like, if he was thinking that, I think he was misled, and he was he was getting absolutely you know, wrapped up into wrapped up into things that were out of his control. Do your thing. Hit the ball in the middle of the green. Hit it twenty feet. You never know. You're a good putter. You probably you could have made it. He was rolling in putts, 10, 15, 20 footers left and right. Uh, Sam absolutely. Burns was so absolutely. Just, just do no. your thing. Hit it in the middle of the green. Give your chance. Give yourself a chance to make the putt. And maybe he was, and just hit a bad shot. I mean, I don't. We don't know. I mean, well, it obviously affected him. It obviously affected him pretty bad after he got on AT&T, ripped it into the water there. Then I'm not going to bring El Hosel into the conversation, but that hybrid <laughs> he hit off of uh, his third shot on 18 was right of right. Ugly. I mean, ugly. U G L Y. Ugly. <laughs> It was uh, right, yeah, right of right. No alibi. It was ugly. Um, <laughs> it was right of right. He gets over there, and it, it felt like he hit that iron shot. It, like it hit the green. He was like, "I'm so glad this is over. I just have to putt, and I can get, I can get the fuck out of here." Um, like it, it just felt like such a sense of release from him. But you know, Sam Burns being one of the top players in the world right now of American golf, certainly in PGA Tour and in world golf, I should say. Um, you know, to see him finish up double double after having the lead in a golf tournament. I mean, it's something that not taking anything away from Nick Dunlap because what he did on 18 allowed him to win that golf tournament. It'd be different yeah. if he hit driver wedge in there and two putted for the win. That would be different. But Nick Dunlap also faced adversity, hitting it right, hitting it right, and getting up and down for the win and smoking a six footer in the center of the cup. Um, so that's why I think Nick Dunlap won that golf tournament, even though it's easy to look back and say Sam Burns gave that golf tournament away. He did to a certain extent, but if you put Sam Burns or if you put Nick Dunlap having to get up and down on 18 with a one shot lead to win a golf tournament, that guy won that golf tournament without question. For sure. I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone would dispute that. Like you said, I mean, coming back from a double on the front nine and then, you know, stringing together a couple birdies here and there and then, and getting it done. Yeah. Um, you know, to your point though, Sam Burns twenty second in the in the world official world golf rankings. I mean, he's a, a obviously a top. I thought it would have been higher. I thought it would. I, I, I would have too. I mean, in all honesty, um, I mean, he's only got one person. He's got one other top tier player, according to some other people in this pod, right behind him, Justin Thomas at twenty third. Who's who's making a he's making a move. He's playing some good golf for sure, and I think. I think, like you said, there's a lot of people who who really like Justin Thomas, and um, he's he's definitely getting back in the limelight, which I'm I'm sure makes a lot of people happy. Well, let's uh, let let's get into that. That's a great segue, Jay. Great segue. You know, we're talking about a Hall of Fame career guy, <laughs> 15 wins, two majors, um, six runner ups, 13 third place finishes, 51 
top five finishes and 76 top 10 finishes. The guy has played in 221 PGA Tour events over the course of his career. 76 times he finished in the top 10. Now, as I digress, also $55 million in career earnings. Um, pretty, which is, pretty, which pretty is a mute, mute, pretty, mute point. It is until you get to the bank. But on well, the no, I mean it's great that he made that money, but there's a lot of guys that have made a bunch of money, but that doesn't mean anything. Very few in front of him. Very few in front of him. But on the backside of that, and I know this is me and you's point of contention, and I love this because this is yeah this gives us the opportunity to go head to head and just and just have this out. But we're we're not going to go that far. We're not going to get into that deep. Let's talk about what we saw from him after coming off of a tough year. What we've seen from him lately. His last few events, hold please, his last few events, he has, oh, let's go. I got to get 2023 up here in front of me. Um, Here we go. Sorry about this, Mike. You're going to have to edit this out. Um, he's had some, he's had some good finishes in the, in the last, last couple, uh, last couple weeks, which is, which is great. Like I said, I think a lot of people are, are super, super happy about it. Um, and I'm not too, I mean, I I don't want to see him play poorly. I really don't. I, again, my view on his game is not, I don't want to see him. I don't hate Justin Thomas. Other, I will say, I don't like, I don't care for his attitude. It's not my style. I don't really like the the kind of swashbuckler attitude. Um, uh, but some people like it. That's cool. Everyone's got a right to their own opinion. I think my biggest thing was I just don't think he's in in the same tier of golf as the top guys in the game. And I don't think he's a dominant player. And when I when I say like, can he be a number one golf in the world and dominate? I don't think he can do that. Um Obviously, he's won two majors. He's a great player, an incredible player. Won I mean, 15 only, times on the PGA Tour. What's that? He's won 15 times on the PGA Tour. Great. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of guys that that have won a bunch of tournaments on the PGA Tour. But uh, how I, many? I, how many have won 15 times? I don't know. We can pull it up. I mean, I, I can name I can name a bunch that are up there that I think are better than him. I mean, hell, you got Jordan Spieth, who I think is is a is a more dominant player than Justin Thomas. And then you Would go you right take- down the. Would right down take, the list. Who would you who would you take right now head to head, Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas? I, I there's seven or eight guys I'd put ahead of him. Easy. No, right I'm now. taking just Justin Spieth. I'm sorry, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. Who would you put them up against? What, what do you, you mean? Rather, if if you're a betting man, as them as a team playing somebody? No, no, no. I'm just saying if you were going in this week's event. For example, well, Tori, take take the course out of the situation. Let's just say you're saying, all right, right now, would you take Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas based off of how they're currently playing? If you're a betting man, leaving personal feelings aside. If I were going to take Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas and like this event, this next event, no, not this next. Just event, in general, just I would in probably general. take Jordan Spieth. If you were to tell me they were going to play, if they're going to play in the same event, they all pick the events that they want to play in, the the courses that they like. If they both like the same golf course, I would probably take Jordan Spieth. Which Jordan Spieth, in my opinion, is like seventh or eighth on the list of of players that I would I would take. Um, 
That's ahead fair. Of you. No, that that's fair. I'm just saying <laughs> for the Jordan Speed Justin Thomas argument. But let's look at it this way. Actually, let's not go down that road because you and I are going to be here for two hours discussing it. <laughs> yeah, we would be. We would be. Um, so Justin but, Thomas but to, right now. To Justin, your point, Justin Thomas right now, his game and where it's progressed. Um, I think the 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 two the two big deciding factors for Justin Thomas and his success are one his putting. We we all know that he's he's struggled with his putting over the last two years, uh, and and a close close second is his driving. He, he's he hasn't driven the ball well uh, consistently well, I should say. I personally think he tries to hit it too hard. He tries to hit it too far. He thinks he needs to gain that extra, kind of like what we were talking about with 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 Dunlap. What he what Dunlap doesn't now. I know that Dunlap is a bigger guy, and it's easier for him to look more in control. Justin's not a big guy. He's 5'9", 165 pounds. He's trying to maximize everything that he has, and I get it. But there is a, a point where you're like, all right, I'm pushing too far. Like, it's okay if I hit it, if I carry it 290 and hit it 315. Like, if Justin just would back off of that part of it just a little bit, hit more fairways, hit more balls in play, um, not hit that that toe hook and a little bit as I think of the you know fundamental error there with with his swing and um, you know it is what it is uh, that's just my opinion I think if he were to you know fix that a little bit I think he'd hit more fairways and he would be in contention more um, but he hasn't he hasn't done that yet and and the putting the thing about his putting in my opinion he looks everything looks great when he puts um, it's similar to Scotty Scheffler like when you watch Scotty Scheffler putt I mean nothing looks you know, really out of place. I mean, there's some little teeny little things that you can pick up on, but it's not like you're watching Will Zalator's putt or, 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 uh, you know, Luke Donald putt, not exception, not uh, Lucas Glover, I should say, not Luke Donald. Luke Donald rolls a good yeah. Lucas yeah. Glover or somebody like that. Like it, it, it's nothing that's egregious, you know, when you watch Justin putt, I mean, it looks, it looks good. It just, they just don't go in. Um, for whatever reason, but I will say he's been putting better and he has been, for the most part, been driving the ball better. He's always been an incredibly great wedge player, and he's got an awesome, awesome short game. Like he can hit some ridiculous short game shots. Like it's it's pretty fun to watch him and do that part of it. But um, I that. I yeah, agree. I think I think that's the the biggest jump that I've seen. Um, and obviously, there's confidence there too. You know, if he gets he gets his confidence back with who he is and what he's you know maxing out what he's capable of doing. I personally think, again, if he were to back off that driver just a little bit and find a little bit more of that fairway finder kind of pace to his swing, sure. I think he would be in contention a lot because his wedge game and short game is so good. If he were just to find a way, I'm good. It really it is. Really it's it's really good. It like is his, really good. I'm not gonna. Tempo, I won't. It's his good. Tempo over a hundred yard wedge shot is something to absolutely dream about. And if he were to incorporate that that type of pace, and that's the other thing. You talk about somebody, talk about the model of consistency. Let's talk about like Annika Sorenstam. Like she like truly believed that every single swing was the exact same swing, which I don't know if I completely agree with her 100% on. But the, uh, the fact that she believed that, like, and I get it, love her, hate her. Some people love her, some people don't. But 
you talk about consistency. This this lady was super consistent, and and I will say every swing did look very similar. It did. Um, I don't disagree. It with did. That. I don't. Disagree and with and that. she drove it really straight. She drove it far. She was a great iron player, great wedge player, the whole nine yards. I'm not saying that he needs to be like Annika Sorensen, but if he could somehow encompass that like sense of rhythm and pace throughout his bag, do what he does from 150 yards and in stretch that out to the longer clubs. And if it, if it means sacrificing five to seven yards, I know that that sounds like it, it would be a lot in the game of golf, but he did toe hook two irons in the water that cost him the tournament this past week. I, 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 I you know? disagree with that. You're hundred percent correct. You're hundred percent correct. That's exactly what happened. Um, I will say on the backside of that, I think Justin Thomas is poised for a resurgence. Um, since he got to the Wyndham, you know, he finished T12 there trying to get into the playoffs and he narrowly missed it, narrowly missed it, which I'm sure chapped his ass more than anything. Played well at the 40 net, even though an even par final round kept him really out of contention. He finished T5, third at the Hero, and now all of a sudden a third at um, Amex. You know, looking beyond anything, you talk about shaking a little bit of rust off. Um, it did suck not to see him get it done. I certainly thought, I mean, I put, I put a late bet on him early Friday, early Sunday, just thinking that, you know what? He's poised 61 the day before he looked flawless in round three, looked absolutely flawless, uh, to see him miss those two shots on the second shot of par fives into the water was certainly uncharacteristic of a player of that caliber, but on the backside of that. You know, I I think we're poised to see a pretty big year out of him. And I think it's good for American golf to see him get back in the spotlight. I think it's good for him to re-cement himself as a top five player in the world. Um and I I think he's yeah. gonna I think he's gonna get there. I think he's gonna get there. <laughs> top, top five player in the world rankings, maybe. Yeah, I, of course he can do that. Um uh, again, my whole qualm with him is: uh, Do I think he's a top tier player? Is he a top? Is he a dominant player? I don't think he is. I don't think he's in that echelon right now. I haven't. I haven't seen him in that in that way in, in his career up until this point. Can he? Can he do that? I mean, maybe. I mean, I'm. I'm not going to say he. I, I wouldn't. I would never say that it's not possible for somebody to change their game and get better and and uh, you know supplant themselves as a a better player and continue to move up. And I, obviously he's a determined guy. Can he move his way up and, and get into that level where he's not the same uh, playing the same, uh, you know, I, I guess in the t- playing in the, at the same, in the same conversation as, as a John Rom, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy. And again, I know Dustin is, is not in the mix because he went to live, but if Dustin, if, if Dustin was still playing in the, in the U S and the PGA tour, uh, he would be uh, he would be ahead of Justin Thomas in in my opinion. So I think again these are just these are just four players that that just right off the top of my head that I don't think he's in the same category as. I don't think he's he doesn't play at the same level. But you left um, you left a place in the top five for him, so he'd be he'd be ranked five. <laughs> I, I just didn't get down that far. To the <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. All right. Before we get deeper into that, because you know you and I could debate this for the next thirteen. We could. Hours. Um, let's take a bourbon break bourbon break all right we're back quick bourbon break had to re-ice the brown stuff 
we're both <laughs> we're both back on top. I know Dre, Jay's drinking out of a a snifter, neat because he's a real man. I'm I'm drinking out of a rocks glass with rocks. Uh, hey, that's a, that's a man's drink right there. I just I, man, there's a lot of stuff I do enjoy neat. There's a lot of stuff I really enjoy on a rock. I'm just I'm a big fan of it, and I, I did have. My wife got me these golf ball um, rocks glass, or not rocks glasses, but golf ball ice molds for Christmas. Yeah, they're awesome. So I've, I've been dipping into those. They're they're a good time. <laughs> been uh, dipping in, dipping in. I mean, just you know, just getting a toe wet. Nothing, nothing serious. Just getting a toe wet. Um, on the back side of that, so let's get back talking a little G, as my man Mike would say, because he stole it from me. Um, <laughs> How about the golf course? So I Jay, I'll be honest. I like the stadium course. It's similar, it's different than Kapalua, but it's similar in the standpoint that it leads to a lot of birdies, but it also can show its pain at the same time. And I have I I as a salesperson love risk reward. Love risk reward. Yeah. There's a lot of it on that golf course. We saw it with Sam Burns late. You know, there was a lot of risk that he put in play and he did not reap the reward. Um, yeah, it, it's there's an argument to be made for both sides here. And I, I will say I'm pretty much Switzerland on this one. Um, I, I won't say the fact that I think that it shouldn't be a venue because I, one thing I will say is I wish they'd play the stadium course for just four days. I understand with the format that it's tough to do so. Uh, I also like the format because it gave my players three rounds to collect points before they missed the cut, which is the only reason I clipped your ass this week. But on the back side of that, on the back side of that, I like the fact there's some risk reward. I, I I don't necessarily love birdie fest, but I do like the fact that there are birdies and double bogeys made almost in unison. What are your thoughts on the golf course? Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I think it's all about entertainment. Like what's the entertainment value of the golf course? I mean, it's pretty obviously with the overseed and they do a great job with it. It's green. It's really, really pretty golf course. Um, you've got some really cool, cool vistas in the background with the mountains and, um, that's cool in itself. Just so the visual aspect the aesthetics aspect of the golf course is great. Um, and two, you know, is it too easy with the birdies? I will say, and, and again, I was talking to my my buddy Luke Myers. We were, yeah, you know, we were watching the the golf on Sunday afternoon. Big fan. And he, yeah, he he made a point. He was just like, look, he's like, it, it's easy, it, yes, but you still have to hit the, you still have to hit your driver in play. You still have to hit your iron close to the hole. You still have to make the putt, and those aren't guarantees. I mean, look at the people who missed the cut and did not shoot 20 plus under par. So, and we're talking about top, you know, top grade professional golfers. So I think it's, um, it's set up for the player who's, who's playing well. Yes, you can really take it deep. But to your point, I think there are some challenging holes on the back nine of the stadium course that can, can catch you if need be, which we, which we saw, you know, I mean, Sam Burns hitting the water in 17 and, and that made the difference. So I don't know. I, I, I think that's been the, uh, I think that's been the the question at hand, you know, as long as they've had this event here and it used to be the Bob Hope, it used to be the, 
I mean, it's changed names a number of times, but they're still there. And part of it is because of the location, the, the, the weather is awesome and the golf course is in great shape, but um, I still think it's entertaining. You know, again, if you have an, the, the other part of that is if, if, if it's easy for everybody and everyone's shooting low, that means it's going to be close towards the end, which is cool. You know, most people, most viewers are going to tune in on Sunday to see what happens on the back nine of the tournament. And if it's, if it's playing easy, relatively easy, again, relative being the, the main word there, if it's playing relatively easy for all the guys that are playing well on the back nine, they're all going to be, re- they're going to be close together. And everyone wants drama. They want to see everyone being close. They want to see a playoff. They want to see somebody make a double on one of the last couple of holes or make a birdie on one of the last couple of holes. So again, from an entertainment standpoint, it's entertaining, similar to the reason people like watching Augusta. You know, depending on how they set it up, you like seeing guys shoot 15, 16, 17, 18 under par in a major, which you don't normally get at a U.S. Open. And nowadays in most of the PGA championships, um, you know, the open championship can be dependent on the golf course and the weather, which is a, another reason that people want to watch. So um, anyway, you know, back to the point, I'm, I'm okay with it given this, this specific golf course, because it's, it's been held at this, this golf course for, for, for the most part, for a long time. I think they jumped around a little bit and then went to some other different places, but um, you know, it's all, it's always pretty close. Yeah, I agree with that. And you know what's funny is I just found, and you and I touched on this offline. Um, I just found a statistic. I guess you could call it that. But Michael Block played this week. Mm. Finished it six under, 72, 71, 67 in PGA Tour conditions. He did miss the cut at six under, but he did meet. He did beat Grayson Murray by a shot, who was the champion the week before. He finished a shot back at Jason Duffner, beat um, Scott Gacheski, Cameron Champ, Joseph Bramlett, Charlie Hoffman, Bill Haas, Patton Kazire, J.B. Holmes, um, Pearson Cootie, who's poised to be a, a big-time player potentially on the PGA Tour, him and his yep. brother both. Um I did not, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know he was in the event. Um, I'm a little bit surprised to see where he finished, but I but I'm I'm proud of it. I like it. I'm a fan of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm he's in the field this week at Tory Pines. Um, I think Tory Pines is gonna be a very tough setup for him with the how far he hits the golf ball. But he is a Southern California player. He is probably, I'm sure he's probably played that golf a hundred times. Um But on the back side of that, and this is getting a little bit off topic, but I found this and I felt like I had to, had to mention it. What are your thoughts for him playing this week? I mean, where, where do we see him finding himself in the, I mean, he's obviously getting some exemptions. He's the PGA professional player of the year, which garners yourself uh, a couple of exemptions, especially inside of your section, which obviously Tory and the Amex both were. And I I will say he earned the right to play in these events. I'm not saying that he does not earn the right to play in these events. He does. Um, and I'm proud that he's there. I love the clubs he plays, the hat he wears. Big fan of Michael Block all around, obviously, with what he did in the PGA. And it was synonymous a little bit with 
um, what my father had done previously. So I feel a little bit of love for him. Um, crazy story that I think I've let go on this podcast previously is that uh, one of his students is the son of my father's bone marrow donor, which is crazy. Ab- absolutely nuts if you look at the odds. Crazy. I mean, DraftKings would have put that at plus two hundred million. Um, but that that so I've I've got some love for the guy to say the very least. Um, he went out there and played in tour conditions and tied Maverick McNeely, tied Brant Snedeker, tied Carl Ewan, um, beat David Lingmurth, Robert McIntyre, Chris Goderup, Grayson Murray, Scott Gachesky, Cameron Champ, Dylan Wu, Joseph Bramley. I mean, there those are some. Some good players in the world of golf. And that's what's cool, in my opinion, about the game of golf. Like you can take, um, you know, you can take a player who is maybe not a, a PJ Tour caliber player, although I will say that Michael Block has proven himself given his his play in the last major that he played in. That he he can play with those guys. But like this is a guy who works, he works at a golf course. He gives lessons, he works in the golf shop. Like this is he does not do this for a living every day. I mean, the guys that you see every day on TV, they get up every morning with the goal of playing, playing golf professionally. What do I need to do to play the best golf that I can play? Michael block. It's a blend. It's like, okay, I'm playing in section events. I want to play the best I can play, but I also, what do I need to do at the golf of the golf shop at the golf course? You know, that's, that's a that's a unique blend, and for somebody to to have both of those and to still be able to compete with professional golfers, and and we've used we use that term lightly there. There's a there's a PGA professional, someone who who can run a golf course, golf shop, um, and understands the business side of 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 that, and then there's a PGA tour professional or professional golfer who their only goal is to compete and play in golf events. So, and I know that, that, that has been that, that separation has gotten closer and closer over the years as more and more guys have become, you know, the year long, you know, section players, they play events and they have somebody else take care of the stuff, you know, at the golf course. But I mean, from what I understand, Michael Block is still very involved with the golf course. Like he is in it. So it's pretty cool to see a guy, you know, that can that can do both of those and still get out and compete. Now, granted, I know he didn't make the cut, but he shot six under par. Again, to our point, you still have to go out there. You have to hit the drives. You have to hit the irons. You have to make the putts. In tour conditions, he's 47 years old. Yeah. Um, he's 47? 47. That's even, that's even cooler. I was thinking he was like 40, which no, still would have been he, cool. But he, He's 47 years old. Uh, um. It's it's cool to say he, he has played in 29 events on the PJ tour, which is, you know, he doesn't show up in that's a that's a lot more than me or you. <laughs> uh it's 29 more than me, Jay. It, <laughs> that's it, 27 more than me. <laughs> yeah. So I can tell you for a fact, um, it's pretty impressive what he's doing. Uh love the story. Love everything about the guy. He seems to be a good guy. Um, it's fun to see what happens in this day and age with social media, and it's allowed him to create a presence about himself that I'm sure has benefited him and himself financially. And I'm I'm a fan of it. I, I'm 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 good with it. I love it. Um, it. It's 
especially seeing a club pro. I mean, obviously, growing up with my father being a club pro that flirted in the same waters prior to the um, the internet, if you will. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of similar factors of what he's done in his career that I, I relate back to my father. And that's why I think I'm so in tune with it and, and love what he's done, um, even outside of the connection that we have, which is astronomically um, related with us um, compared yeah. with the fact that he teaches um, my son's bone marrow or my that's, son's father's bone marrow donor. That's crazy. Um, that just... yeah, it, it really is. And the cool thing about it, when I started with my company, um, the story got out and the United States general manager of my company was like, wait a second, what is that? We may need to talk to marketing about this. This <laughs> this is pretty astronomical as far as odds are concerned. And it's such a cool relationship. And I, I root for him every chance I get. Um, I hope he goes out there this week and, you know, competes. And, you know, my goal is for him to, you know, get some TV time. And I hope he continues to build a nice, uh, nice net worth for his family. Um, yeah, I'm pulling for the guy. I, I, those stories are awesome. You know, like similar to the Dunlap story. It's like, it, like this this guy is not trained to do this. You know, for the most part, like he's, you know, Michael Block is trained to be a teaching pro, run the golf course. He plays in section events because he enjoys playing in golf events. Like he's not trained to compete in PJ Tour events, and and Nick. You know, I, I granted Nick is is training to play in those events, and he's played in some high level amateur events. But he is not trained to play uh, in professional golf events. Like he hasn't done it yet. I mean, he's played in two majors. I guess he played in the U.S. Open and well, actually, I shouldn't say two majors. He's played in one major and one regular PJ Tour event. So this is not his thing. Like he's a college student. Like it's not his yeah, job. That's exactly but for these right. guys to get out there and like compete, I think it's cool. It's fun to watch. I mean, I enjoy like seeing those stories. No, your favorite story is absolutely correct. And I, I and it's funny. So with what you were just saying, I will never forget being on the range, and I forget which year PGA Championship it was with my father. And I want to say it was Mark Kalkavakia because dad was very close to Mark Kalkavakia. They were, they were good friends um, when dad was playing on the tour in the early 80s. But my dad looked at him and said, little buddy, what would you do last week? And Mark obviously said, I, I played a tournament. My dad goes, I ran a member guest. <laughs> and it just goes to show where that divide really is. And yeah. ultimately, you know, it's, it's not a knock on either side. It's It's just more to say that you know, the fact that Michael Block's able to have involvement with, um, you know, his club and still remain competitive from a golf side of things is is very impressive stuff. I agree. I agree 100%. Um, well, what do you um, what do you think here about uh, Mr. Rory McIlroy, given his circumstances last week, kind of blowing it? We talked about it. and he follows through and and gets the job done and and wins on the DP world. Well, what was the, what the official event is? Is what's the actual name of the event? I get, I uh, Dubai. It used to be the Dubai <laughs> Desert Classic. Now it's the DP Dubai. DP uh, Dubai Desert Classic. DP. Yeah, I believe that's correct. I've got it up here right now. Hero Dubai oh. Desert Classic. The Hero. Hero Dubai Desert Classic. 
buddy, I'm going to tell you right now, you better watch out for this guy. You talk about been playing some good golf. I mean, good night. If I'm a betting man, I've been betting him every event and I might lose a couple, but I will cash one of them and they will. So what, what do you think this, I've, I've got my take on, on why this resurgence, but what do you, what do you think this, I mean, I shouldn't say resurgence. I mean, let's be honest. If you go back through, you know, his last two or three years, granted, he hasn't won a major since 2014, which is disappointing for a lot of people, but he has still been in the mix. Like every single major, every single year, he he has like the the number of top five, you know, finishes and wins. Like other than majors, are like you talk about. If you take the majors away, you take the four majors that he won early on in his career. You take those away, and you give him a second place finish in those. He's a, it's a Hall of Fame career. I mean, no it no was, question, it was a Hall of Fame career before that. But I will say, let me let's just let's just run down his year on the PGA tour since May. He did finish T47 at the Wells Fargo. His mm-hmm. worst finish of the year. Oh, he missed a cut at the Masters, missed a cut at the players. Well, let's he, he did finish T2 at the Honor Palmer. Let's just let's let's forget all of those. Let's start at the PGA championship. On the PGA Tour, he finished T7 at the PGA, T7 at the Memorial, T9 at the Canadian, second at the U.S. Open, T7 at Travelers, won the Scottish Open, T6 at the uh, British Open, T3 at FedEx St. Jude, uh, fourth at the BMW, fourth at the Tour Championship. And then obviously went on and won the event last week um, on the DP World Tour. And if I'm not mistaken, let me. There, there are a couple different ones. Um, the Dubai Invitational, he finished second to Tommy Fleetwood after a little bit blowing it late there last week. But then this week he wins at the Dubai Desert Classic. Mind you, he did finish. Um, seventh at the BMW PGA and 22nd at the DP World Tour Championship. But the guy can't stop posting top fives. The guy is on uh, fire. Like I, I, I agree. You, he, he will he will most likely be the world's number one golfer at the end of the year. The only thing that I can say, forget what he said. I don't I don't forget where he stood on live. I personally yeah. believe that his stance on live. And his opportunity to become the the utmost voice for professional golf, he took that and he rode that to the top of the mountain. He's currently second in the official World Golf Rankings. I think he will be first at the end of the year. The but, guy is that good. He's on fire. He's killing it. And, and the fact that he's taking a different stance on live, it doesn't seem to have affected him. He's gone two and one in the last two weeks. I think, well, that's kind of, that was my point, you know, with I wanted to see what your take was on that. I think it's freed him up a little bit. He doesn't feel like he is, uh, you know, he's not uh, taking on the burden of, of representing the PGA tour. He's kind of like, Hey, you guys figured out I'm, I'm, I'm playing golf now. I'm, I'm doing what I do best. I'm going to play golf. I don't have to sit here and, and answer questions about the live golf and the PGA tour. 
you guys do that. I'm going to play golf and then do my thing. And I think he's kind of just ripped that Band-Aid off in a sense that he's just like, I'm going to do what I do best, and it's play golf. I'm not a politician. You know, if I wanted to do that, I would have done it. But I'm good at golf. That's what I do. He's not good at baseball, which we've seen because he threw the <laughs> first pitch at when he was in Boston. He's Why not really good at He's so bad at throwing a first pitch out. Like, it always surprised me when you see major athletes from other other uh, sports throw the first pitch out of the baseball game. It's like, wait a second. Because I'm telling you right now, I could throw a strike. And I've been on the bench for forever. Forever. It might not be a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, but I'm telling you right now, I can hit the mitt. I'm going to get it to him. I mean, you talk about look at like I mean, Rory's was was pretty rough. Um, Terrible. You look at other people like Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, you you play football. You throw you for a living. Football. You throw for a living, and he, so he had no. He didn't even come close. It's that stuff blows my mind. I mean, but anyway, uh, you know, I don't want to digress too much, but um, I I Wait, do think that third, that's your third digress this podcast. Yeah. Digress has been eliminated for the remainder of this podcast. You have to. You now- can't say it. we cannot say it again. You cannot say digress. Uh, you you can use. With that being said, you can use yeah. something that, that those don't mean the same thing. But it, look, just no more. You can't use digress. That word digress, is eliminated. It, it's it's over for this potential week of the podcast. Gone. I won't say it. All I right. won't say it. Um, but you know, I don't want to uh, digress, but. <laughs> Here we go. Here we fucking go. <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, I, I think you know, back to Rory though. I, I I think you're right. I think the guy's playing incredible. Uh, I think his like he's like we said. I think the 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 weight of that burden has been lifted. And if he can, if he keeps that mentality, and he's kind of balls to the wall, like if he plays golf like Justin Thomas. With that mentality, like I'm going to be a dickhead to everybody. I don't care about anybody. I mean, Rory should win every other time he plays. I mean, in he all could. honesty, he could. He, he, could. Yeah, he like, could and he should. Could. You're exactly right. He he's poised to have the best year of anyone. And, and uh-huh. I honestly think, honestly think that it's almost like a second career. Because he has this kind of monkey on his back, so to speak. And if for some reason he wins one major this year, I feel like he's going to win like three or four more in the next four years. Like he, he I, I see Rory games. getting close to double digit majors, which would be incredible. I think I think he finishes his career yeah. at, at 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 least eight. I think he wins four more I, before he's done. I, I I would I would bet the over. Um. Where he's yeah. at right now, I think if he's able to maintain this, he's been reignited. Live Golf reignited. We'll mm-hmm. see what ends up happening with TGL. We'll see what happens with Live, And if he still remains that same player, if he mm-hmm. still has that same fire about him. yeah. What he's done over the last 16 to 18 months in my eyes, it's it's him and Scotty Scheffler's world. I yeah, personally I agree. don't think, and I love some Scotty Scheffler. Love some Scotty Scheffler. I don't know that he has the longevity that Rory does. Rory well, is, Rory's proven it already. Rory is picture perfect in everything that he does. His swing is something that, like, Rory's a guy that when he's hitting balls, 
Everyone else stops on the range and looks. Yeah, oh, Scotty yeah. Scheffler is too. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from Scotty because Scotty is unreal. Like I don't want to like, not wanna, like Rory. You get what I'm you get what I'm saying though. Yeah. Rory is picture his swing is as picturesque as any swing that's ever been in the game. Without you want to watch it. It's it's rhythmic, it's smooth. You're like, what, I what would want I would sit in the uh I guess now we have to call it crisscross applesauce position. <laughs> but I would sit there with my legs crossed and a cocktail and watch him at eight irons for two and a half hours. And yeah. he can hit one club the entire time, and I would just sit there and watch it. I'd sit there and look oh, yeah. at his hand position. I'd watch his weight transfer. I'd watch. I'd I just want to hear the sound because it's different. It's different. He is it's different. pound for pound the longest player that's ever existed. He how did, how did smokes that? the driver. He's one of those guys that you, you're you on the range, and you don't know he's there, and all of a sudden you hear the sound of his driver and you turn around like wait what what was that what was that what was that who has a 50 cal on the range Uh, (laughs) the guy is just he's an unreal talent i was a big fan of him when he was very young i lost it a little bit in between but i'm back on top rory you're back back on the rory train buddy I, i i'm 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 high on him i'm high on him I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I've always been a Rory fan from a golf standpoint, um, a talent standpoint. Uh, I, I get that the whole being a representative and the the politics of golf. Like, I'll be honest with you. like, And he stepped out I, of it, which I love. He, he did, which is great. I mean, I'm, I'm not really into the I, – I shouldn't say I'm not into politics. I mean, obviously, we can look at certain things, and I feel like politics – really come down to you know really one thing how is it going to affect you you know you can you can agree to this you can join a side but like when in the end of the day if you are uh, if you pick one side or the other and all of a sudden the other side is 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 coming up with a policy that's going to directly affect you and your life and and how you live your life you will change really quickly so again i i don't i don't really try to pick pick sides too much when it comes to that, because it's like, okay, just give me the best solution. And that that's what I'm going to look at. Um, so I, I try not to jump too far one way or the other when it comes to politics. Um, and, and, and same thing with golf, when it comes to golf politics, like, I don't, I don't know. I just want to see you play good golf. Like I just, I watch golf because I want to be entertained and I like watching Rory McIlroy swing the golf club because it's fun and it's awesome. And that's what I want to keep it at. Like I just want to watch you hit your driver three thirty down the middle, and I want you to hit your you know five iron from two ten to ten feet and and have an eagle eagle putt. Like that's what I want to watch. It's fun. It's fun for me. I don't really care uh, about all the extracurriculars and you know your opinion on this and that. And and I'm not trying to sound insensitive when it comes to the, comes to the people who who. Um, you know, put that at the top of the list because for some people that is important. Um, just not for me. Um, so, but anyway, um, I agree, I agree let's he, he's a without question, he is a generational talent. Oh, yeah, we will always relate every generational talent to Tiger Woods, which is an unfair, yeah. um, unfair argument. But the guy right now, he's matured, 
He stepped out of the politics. He said he's going to be a golfer. Yeah, I love and that. There's, there's nothing that you can't respect of him as a golfer. Yeah. Can, can, no. I, can I say something real quick, Jay? Yeah, yeah. Does this bother you as much as I do when people say, I'm going golfing? Yeah, that's kind of a weird thing. It bothers me. Uh, I don't, like, I don't that, think I've ever said what? that. You know what? That's how you can tell if someone is really they're a golfer. They play golf. Oh, I'm I'm a I go golfing. Do you want to go golfing? No, you play yeah. golf. Yeah. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, don't say that. Yeah. Just say, hey, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm I'm playing golf. I'm playing golf at this time. Um, don't say I'm going golfing. Like that no. doesn't. No, I, 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 you immediately tell me that I don't want to play with you and you say, so I, I golf. <laughs> if you I say golf. that, I immediately do not want to play with you. Do not yeah, say yeah, I'm going yeah, golfing. Yeah. Oh, I golf and I, I go golfing every weekend. No, no, you're no, you immediately tell me <laughs> that you're not welcome in my foursome. Oh, uh, that's, there's a lot of, we could, we could do a, we could do a, uh, a whole, a whole pot on words not to say when it comes to golf. Like that's one of them. I'm going golfing. Well, you identify like, your skill level immediately by saying, "Yeah, I'm yeah. going golfing." Yeah. Uh, What'd you score yesterday? What'd you score on the golf course yesterday? Oh, um, <laughs> uh, what What did you shoot? What did you what shoot? Did you shoot? What'd what did you shoot yesterday? Or even better, you know how you know a player? What'd you fire? What'd you fire? <laughs> That's it, man. God, what did you score yesterday? And the thing that chaps my ass is seeing some of these Instagram accounts is like, I'm going golfing. And I'm just like, I'm I'm gonna kill myself. Okay. <laughs> you have nine million followers and you're saying uh, I'm going golfing. I'm, I'm going golfing. I want to kill myself. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's 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 dive into uh let's dive into Tori. Like, you know, our, our comment is we, I feel like we see the same, the same names, um, every year at Tory. And obviously I'm, I'm preemptively saying that hopefully we see some new people, some new faces, some new names that play well here. We got um, some new is, we got some yeah. New there's some new blood, some new guys that are playing, but I feel like the favorites that are there, um, are the, are similar people and granted there's courses for horses and, and so forth. So, um, people like that golf course. Horses so for they courses, tend, either whichever. You yeah, they, they tend to go back to the same to the same place. Um, we we are not seeing John Rom here, and I will say that is uh, that is one course that is fit for a specific horse. Uh, well, being John well, Rom, he it loves that mean place. He's not going to be there. It just means he's not going to be playing based on. I mean, what he's done the last two weeks. How weird has that been? I don't know if anybody's well, paid attention to this, but he played in a, he he was there for a disco land event, which Discovery Land, um, home to some of the best properties in the world. One of my favorite venues to ever be the the benefit of being able to attend and play golf and enjoy their properties. Discovery Land, if you ever have an opportunity to go to a Discovery Land property, I promise you take the time off. I don't care if you've never heard of it. If it's a discovery land property, the experience will be second to none. It is the absolute best. So discovery land held an event in Palm Springs. I'm sure John Rahm had already submitted, uh, um, 
committed to. And yeah. he was there for that event. And the Discovery Land Foundation with what they do, it's fantastic. They give as much money as damn near any golf event on the planet um, towards helping out charities. They give back. Uh, Discovery, I am a massive fan of you. I'm so fortunate um, to have a relationship with uh, at least bare minimum of one of your properties. I have a hat on right now from his Discovery Land property here in Nashville called Troubadour which is one of the absolute best experiences you could ever have in your life. Um, but on the backside of that, uh, John Rahm is in Palm Springs again. He was, he was there last week. Um, you know, I mean, but how weird, but how weird is that, that he was at Kapalua for the century uh, tournament? I think that trip was already planned. That trip. Was I think planned. so too. I think so too, but it is weird that he was there and had like called a couple of the rules officials. And I think we talked about this on the last pod, but called a couple of the rules officials asking for like, you know, getting to trying to get res, uh, restaurant reservations. And then here he is two weeks later, he's at the PJ tour event again. It's like, come on, who is, who, who's your manager where they're setting all this stuff up and, and all of a sudden you switch to live and like, you, you're going to follow through with all these commitments. Um, it, who's managing your, 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 your account here and your business. Like, this is a weird look. Like you just, you're just, you're trolling the tour around like, or where are you going to go? You're going to go to the waste management in a couple of weeks. Cause that's a big event and everyone's going to be, be on it. Like you're just going to show up. <laughs> it just seems really bizarre. Um, I don't, but I don't, I don't disagree. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But um, anyway, we'll, we'll obviously back at Tory, like I said, same kind of the same names, same faces um, that we've seen uh, over the past couple of years. But uh, you know, I, we've talked about this golf course before, you know, it's obviously it's an iconic golf course. They've held a couple of us opens here. And, and I think our argument and in, in the past is that, uh, the holes at this golf course are not maybe as memorable other than the 18th hole. Everyone remembers the 18th hole with the pond in front of the front of the green. It's a teeny little green par five. Um, but um, and you remember the, uh, the parasailers, you know, on the beach, you know, and, and that's pretty much what we remember about, uh, Tory Pines and that's cool. It's different. I mean, it's unique. It's not anything that you would see, but like, you're not going to go hole for hole in the back nine and be like, Oh, this is number 11. This is number 12. Like you remember 18. I don't know. At least that's me. I remember 18. I'm like, Oh, it's par five. Here we go. Let's do it. It's cool. I mean, I think when I'm watching it, I remember them. But I, if someone said, hey, what is the 15th holder? I couldn't tell you. I, I don't know. I mean, I've watched the tournament for 20 years. I know that there's a big gorge on the left of one of the final holes. Maybe it's 15, 16. I don't know. And that's and that's terrible for somebody who's involved in golf. And I just – I don't know what it is about that golf course. And maybe it's because there's the lack of trees that I can't – the holes are – I can't shape the holes and I can't see them. Um, I don't know. But they don't have any trees out there, hardly. Um, but yeah, I, I just have a hard time remembering the golf course uh, on the back nine. It, it is a cool golf course, and I'm sure if I were there in person, I would remember it. But um, on TV, I, I remember 18. I remember the other par five. Is is it 15? What's the other long par five on the back yeah, nine? Is it 15 or? I think it's 15. 
So I remember, I remember that's like 600 plus yards. I remember that. So I don't know. I, I, I think we'll probably see the same, same names there. I mean, it's still a fun, still a fun event, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll see any, any, any comments on this tournament in general, before we kind of dive into it that you're looking forward to. I mean, I just think it's one of the great venues on the PJ tour. Um, it's a, a, an open site. It is one of the best golf courses we will be able to watch. It, it's not going to be a birdie fest. And it's, and uh, I'll also say that I, I like the fact that you can come out of a birdie fest and go into a tough golf course and still find a ton of entertainment value from the aspect of that. It's a tough golf course. It, it, yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to provide a lot of bogeys. It's going to provide some good birdies, but on the backside of it, it's a very tough and true test. And I think ultimately yeah. we will find the best player win this week because there will be a lot of, um, a lot of wind. There'll be a, a, a very difficult environment. Um, it's different from what we've seen the last few weeks. I just think it's a great venue that the tour is, is really, uh, I don't know the best way, privilege to call a venue year in and year out because we don't often see a venue of this caliber year in and year out on the PGA Tour. Tory's always been um, fortunate enough to host the PGA Tour year in and year out, even in U.S. Open years. They said, you know what? We're willing to host both events. We're going to hammer it. You guys That's are going to cool. You guys are going to have an incredible venue, incredible views, an incredible golf course. And that's something that is very different because a lot of times in a year that it's a U.S. Open venue, that course does not host the event. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, they close it. They close it down. Yeah, they close it down. They they don't let the members on it either. And then this obviously being a public golf course, um, which is it's kind of tricky. And they're like, well, we can't shut it down because we still need. You know, still need some of the revenue yeah, coming we're, in. We're, so we're making twelve hundred dollars a tea time. Yeah. Um, which is yeah. which I will say, you know, not to get off topic, but it's so funny. I, I remember having a, uh, a conversation with my dad um at this point, probably 15 years ago. And dad told me he's like, you know, the greens at Pebble, they they aren't that great. And I'm like, Well, why don't why don't they shut it down and you know, redo the greens. It doesn't make it. And he he literally looks at me and chuckled. He goes, "Little buddy, they get two grand a tea time, and they fill it up every day. Yeah. They're not shutting it down." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're not doing that. They're not doing and Tor- that. Tori's a similar venue. Tori's a similar yeah. venue. I'm sure that yeah. that that tea sheet is booked sun up to sundown. As many people as they'll put on that golf course for probably a year in advance. And I'd, I'd imagine it's probably three fifty to four hundred a tea time. Yeah, uh, or four hundred. Uh, 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 yeah, for out of state for out of state residents. If you're a if you're in uh, California, it's, yeah, it's, like it, it's pretty cheap. Somewhere yeah. in there, like it's it's very reasonable. But yeah. uh, I can only imagine they're just like we we sh- we could, but it's good enough that they keep coming back, and we don't have we don't have yeah. to. Um, yeah, actually, I, you know, funny story. I'll never forget this. I had a chance to play Tory once. This is when I was in my early 20s. And I was on the van 
for a my the first equipment company I worked for. And we're we're right in La Jolla. And if anyone's familiar with the area, there's this range right off of um I forget the highway name, but it's it's right off of the main the main drag there. And it's a dog track, but it it, it smokes it every day. Every stall is full. They absolutely kill it. They're like, hey, we can run play Tory right now. And we got a deal. It's only going to be like $65 uh, PGA rate. I'm right. Do it. My buddy that was going to I don't have my clubs. I don't want to go. Sorry, you can't play. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'd take a rental set around there. I did have my clubs at the time. But I'm like, dude, let's, let's just go. Let's go. We did not go. And like, that's one of the very few. This is also the same guy that we had a chance to go into Vegas the night early. He's like, no, nah, we're not doing it. Like God, you conservative mother. This sounds like not a great friend. Like who? Who is this no, guy? He, he's one of the best. He's one of the best. He's a he's a rep. I'm gonna leave him unnamed on purpose. He's a rep in Chicago. <laughs> at this point, I at this point I would leave him unnamed. He's a rep in <laughs> Chicago. One of the best guys I've ever worked with. Like I I I love him to absolute pieces. Um, but man, I had an opportunity to go play there, and he's like, I don't have my clubs. I don't want to go. And we didn't. And I'm just like, man, like I look back on this often. Like I as you can tell, I look back on this often I'm like shit. Could have done that. Could have done it. Could have done it. Could have done it. Could have done it. But uh, no, great, all right. great for a PGA tour event. Let's get into our picks. Let's get into our picks. Um McLean, you won last week by two points with the silly birdie from your boy oh, JT. Oh, oh, did on JT the last hell yeah, one of the top five players in the world he's uh he's definitely not a top tier player in the world but Fuck uh off. he did Fuck he off. did he uh, did i've been, I've been holding did. the f-bomb back all night but like <laughs> can't tell me he's not a top tier player the guy's a top tier player i mean it's, your it's, definition it's, of a top tier player is different than mine um but i don't i don't know if we need to have this argument majors is a hall of fame career that's a top 10 player no, I'm not saying top ten player. I'm saying like a top tier, top tier. dominant player. I said top tier. I said top. I tier. don't think. I don't think he's a top tier player. I don't think he's a dominant player. Like right. I, if he's not in the same category fame, as as the as if, the best players in the world. If you have a Hall of Fame career, are you a top ten player or a top tier player? I mean, I, I'm I'm talking about when I say top tier, I mean dominant player, like a dominant player. No, no you no, can no, you no, can no, get a you no, can no, have a Hall of Fame no, career and not be a dominant different. player. Our definition is different, and I get yeah. that. I respect that, and I respect that, Jay. I respect that. I'm not going to be a dick yeah. about. It. I respect that. Mike's not on no. dicks on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, he. I mean, he's he's a great player. I mean, I'm not. I've not Hall disputed that. Is he a Hall of Fame player? I would think he's. If he's won two majors, he's going to probably get in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, on top of 15 majors. Uh, what do you mean on top of 15 majors? Or on top of fifteen wins, so let me. Yeah, ask yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think he'll win. I think he'll get in the. I think he'll get in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's a great player, and I've never said he wasn't a great player. I don't think he is a. I don't think he's a dominant top. When I say when I say do, top tier, I mean like he's a he's a dominant player. Like he's not a dominant player. He's not a guy that you're gonna be like. Yep, here Justin Thomas is playing this week. He's he's probably gonna win, or he's got a chance to win. 
the same reasons that you talked about Rory McIlroy, the same things that you talk about Scotty Scheffler, the same things that we talk about John Rahm, he doesn't have those qualities. Not right now. It, it, could he change those in the future? I, I don't know. Maybe. But right now and, and over the course of his career, even with those 15 wins, even with those two majors, he's not on the same level as those guys. He's not, in my opinion, right now. Right now, what we have, he's not on the same level. Fair, 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 fair. fair. Um, but anyway. Where do, you relate him, where do you relate him versus, just before we get into it, before we get into our pick, so now we're getting there, because I like adversity. <laughs> I love it. All right. Brooks Kepka has five major wins, but a fraction of overall PGA Tour wins. Yeah. I mean, I, there's definitely something to be said for that, but I, I do think it where do you, comes where do you, down. Where do you rank them? I I would probably them? rank Brooks Kepka ahead of Justin Thomas. Okay, I, I'm not. I I'm mean, not arguing against that. This is I'm pretty I mean, new in, on this in, point. In terms of like being able to dominate the game and somebody a memorable player that you're going to look back and like, man, that guy was incredible. Like you're not going to look back and be like. Right as up until this point, you're not going to be like, man, Justin Thomas was absolutely incredible. He was dominant. He was like the, one of the top players, you know, of my generation. You're not going to say that. It, not until this point. Now, his story is left is still unwritten. He could change that. But up until this point, no. I personally don't think that's going to change. Um, but I can't predict the future. Like up until this point, he's not in that level. Uh, but that doesn't mean he can't do something incredible. You know, I don't can you, know. Maybe can you say that about Brooks Kepka. Do you feel like he is one of the dominant forces of our generation? I would say I'm neutral. I'm, comes, neutral. I'm neutral. Yeah. I just want to hear. Your, I, I, your... I am too, and a little bit with with Brooks because I I don't think he did. He didn't do an, he didn't do enough in the regular season events, but he certainly did it in the majors. Um, I mean, five majors, that's that's pretty dominant. I mean, for the for the seven or eight years that he was kind of in the mix. Um, and J- Justin Thomas was playing at the same time. So, I mean, yeah, I would I would give the edge to to Brooks. I'm not a huge Brooks fan either, to be honest with you. Uh, in terms of likability, I would probably put them, you know, on this on the same level. I would probably put Justin Thomas ahead of Brooks Kepka in terms of likability. And you know how I feel about Justin. So, I mean, yeah, if that you gives you any him. indication, yeah, you're a big fan. I, all I honestly, all good. all good. I just saw. I that would. Was, I would play with him. We, I've heard. I've, we've talked about that before. I would play with him in in a Ryder Cup format. I think he'd be a. He he's just enough of an asshole that I. That's the guy I want to play with in a in a Ryder Cup. But would you rather um, play with Justin Thomas or Brooks Kepka? I'd play with both of those guys. I think no, they're both tough. You, you, you got to pick one. Gotta I got to pick one. I, I mean, history would say Justin Thomas. Like, based on what I know about him and how he plays in those events, I would pick Justin Thomas. Yeah. All right. I just, I just want this to go on record. This is a win for me. <laughs> <laughs> get in where you fit in. Hey, do, before we get into our picks, is there anything we want to say about rollback trees and rough? <laughs> I think we've exhausted this podcast. We're about we're about an hour and forty five minutes in. So, and, but but the difference is, me and you still have listeners. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. We'll wait and see. All right, all right, we'll all right. All this right. pod goes out. Let's get into our picks. We both hate right. rollback. We love trees and we love rough. 
This is the RTR podcast brought RTR. to you by the two most um, professional aspects of this game. Like we we if if you're looking for more more uh, uh, more educated uh, aspect, oh, I love game, that. You're missing it. I'm, I love it. I love it. This is um, all right. Well, I'll start since you won. You won the you won last week. You edged yeah. me out by two points with with Justin Thomas's birdie on the. Well, I thought I thought ball. I had the honors. I thought I had the honors. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah. 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 You go. You go. I'll come. I'll bring it up the <laughs> rear. You do it. All right. Um, starting from the bottom. Now we're here. Uh, I'm taking Matt Wallace, seventy one hundred. I think he's a good value pick. The guy's played good uh, in this format. This is something that's going to play. It's an Americanized version of European golf. It's an American course with European conditions, and I just I like Matt Wallace at seventy one hundred. The remainder of my five picks, I want everyone to know, came directly from the power rankings. So, Luke List, seventy eight hundred. The Dolly Llama, the big the big swinger. Uh, moving up from there, I've got Bezaden Hoot. Follow the train, huh? Following the train. Second last week. You got you got to like what he's been doing. The guy obviously yeah. been well yeah. recently. Bezaden Hoot. Uh, also uh European that's gonna understand how to navigate these uh these conditions. Um up from that, Adrian Mirac solely because he was on the power rankings. Luke List solely because he was on the power rankings. And Sep Straka solely because he was on the power rankings. Uh and then rounding it out, Southern California boy, my guy. Max Homa, yeah, solely because he was on the power rankings. <laughs> Got to love those power rankings. Got to love those power rankings. They're more educated than I am. Like, why not take I, the free advice? I, I agree. I agree. Let's not. I mean, they know more than we know. I mean, they they've know they've certainly got an insight, have done more research scoop. than we have. Yeah. All right. Let's hear what um, you think, bro. Uh, yeah, we um, let's see. Uh, I'll kind of, uh, like I've done in the past, start from the bottom. 7,100, Austin Eckerot, um playing Ekro. some good golf. Eckrot. 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 Uh 25th no, last again. week. Say it again. Say it again. Eckrot. <laughs> I love you. What did you say? No, you nailed it the first time. It was just funny. that Eckerot. Oh, I said Eckerot the first time, but yeah. it's Ekro. It, 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 look, it wasn't good for you. It was good for me. Let's let's keep it moving. <laughs> I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Um, Austin Eckrot or Eckerot if you're from Powhatan. Um, and then uh, I'm going to go with Steven Yeager, who has put a string of, of made cuts in the last 15 events. Like the guy's just playing his tail off, and I probably jinxed him, but... Anyway, seventy eight hundred bucks. You can pronounce uh, Jaeger, but Eckrot's an issue. Yeah, well, I do know Steven Jaeger personally, so I guess that uh, probably helps. I've never met Austin, Austin, so hey, you know, Trump the pro card. I hear you. Ah, uh, yeah, you know, here we go. Rap. No one knows me. Um, I, he doesn't know me, but I know him. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair um, enough. Taylor Montgomery, seventy four hundred bucks. I kind of backtracked there, but he's he's played some good golf. Uh, 13th at the Sony Open, uh, 8th at the RSM, obviously, in the fall. 
He, he played well at the American Express, but just, you know, uh, kind of faltered there on the final round with the 73, which wasn't great. But um, we'll see. He's played well here in the past. Uh, jumping up to 8,700, Sahit Tagala. Again, this guy's been kind of really like hot and cold. I don't like this golf course for him. Uh, you know, I mean, some may say that. I I, I kind of like it. You didn't. I get it. Big fan. I, I kind of, I kind of like fan. it. I think, uh, I think he plays well. I'm a big um, fan of yours, so doesn't matter who you pick. I'm a big fan of he yours. He finished fourth last year at this golf course, so he 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 does know how to play it. Fair, um, fair. good, good rebuttal. Um, so then I jump up uh, to my boy, Mr. Tony Finau, who I feel like I pick Imagine once every that. other week. Imagine that. Like each year, he for me, like my guy's Ryan Palmer, your guy's Tony Finau. Like it's Tony Finau. I know. And and he obviously has had some he's had some great success here. Ninth last year. He did miss a cut in 2022, but second, sixth, thirteenth, sixth, fourth, eighteenth, and twenty-fourth. That's his history there. So he yeah. does like this golf course, Good and I'm hoping he I'm hoping he continues that uh that trend. And last but not least, uh Mr. <laughs> Mr. Pajamas on the golf course and the Malbun golf, Jason Day, ninety five hundred bucks. Such a bad look. Ah, it's I not great. So it's much. not great. It's, it's not, not great. Look. Like he went back to wearing pleated cotton khakis. And it's like, what's going on? Where are we? Like, we like I understand that fashion runs in circles, but he's he's early to the game. He's early to the game. We'll see, we'll see. But hopefully, the apparel great player, and, great and player. the look great does not player. affect his. It does not affect his game. No, and hopefully, he plays. it's not hot, so yeah. he's not sweating his ass off and then cotton fucking <laughs> pants and pullover. Um, well, there you go. There are my picks. Uh, you've got McLean's picks. So by default, Mikey, you finish third. You get one pick if you decide Auto to go third. to Cancun for Auto a full third. week and yeah, and it, you can't it, get your you, picks in while you're in Mexico, yeah. then you get one point. So yeah. Auto, um, Auto third for Dragon on the beach. We're yeah. freaking our fucking asses off. <laughs> um Anyway, all good. Anything else, my man? We, uh, I think we, we're, we're, this is a pretty long one. Hopefully, people make it to the end of this podcast. Now, the only you know, I me and McLean, say, we'll sit here and we'll go at it all day. We'll go. We'll go. What I will say is, Jay, <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed this. This was a great opportunity for us to get together. Um, Boston sucks. Uh, <laughs> other than that, you know, <laughs> this, this was. This is awesome, buddy. I appreciate you taking the time to do this with me, just me and you. And uh, I look forward to seeing what the rest of this year has in store for the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. Or rename RTR. Trees and anti-rollback. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. Uh, All right. Cheers. Thanks, buddy. See you, bud. Good time. Later.